Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. And here we are. We're back again for another On Culture. Uh, I am joined uh, this this fine day uh, by Chris Bands and by Chad Myers, two friends of mine. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some pretty interesting stuff. But before we get there, I just want to uh, remind you that you can subscribe to On Culture wherever you find podcasts. And we'll be talking about a piece from the embassy, which would kind of serve as the show notes, theembassy.substack.com. So go there and subscribe and check it out. It's called Blade Runner 2022, which is just sort of a handy way to get into this whole idea of what is human, what isn't, how does AI fit into that, and just what do we think about uh, humanity. Uh, and so before we dive in there, uh, Chris, Chad, how you guys doing? Doing great. Glad to be here. Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm honored to have you uh, on, uh, on Culture. Um, all right, so... I start talking. I stumbled across an article on uh, AI, uh, which is an area of interest to mine because I just think this whole the issue of humanity, identity, who we are, is such a big driver for so much of what we're doing and going through in our culture and in our world. And uh, AI sort of plays into that. And the latest big development, I think, in AI that's at least out there in the popular press is these large language models. The latest one is called GPT-3, which if you then read about it, the, 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 the text that the, this AI is able to author is pretty kind of creepy slash amazing and how good it is. You can ask it a question and it'll answer in an essay format, like it's a student, you know, and you could ask it about anything, uh, and then you can say answer in the style of, uh, and you, if it if that person's writing is out on the internet, it will imitate the style uh, of the author. And I link to a pretty hilarious site where uh, someone is asking this this uh, AI model to write poetry about Elon Musk in the style of Dr. Seuss. And you know, it's some of it's a little nonsensical, but it's Dr. Seuss, so you know. I don't know how nonsensical it really, I don't know if that really applies, but it certainly is about Elon Musk and it certainly isn't the style of Dr. Seuss. Uh, and, and so it, it is a little uh, creepy. I mean, you go from the bots, you know, the, the, you know, the customer service bots of a few years ago, which it was pretty clear they had 20 answers and their every question is going to be answered in one of 20 ways at most. Uh, and they're, you know, those are getting a little better. The autocorrect thing on your email or the, uh, not autocorrect, but the, uh, autocorrect is is part of it. But this, the, the guess, the look ahead, the guess your next, the rest of your sentence in your email and your text, that's AI basically, uh, based on your past writing, here's how you're likely to finish the sentence. Um, and it just does that, uh, base it's able to do that with very little input. So, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts about AI and uh, its whatever, impressiveness, creepiness, uh, you know, whatever? Like, when you, when you hear about that sort of stuff, what do you think? 
Chris. Yeah, I think uh, every oh, every Jim. high school student or uh, yeah. or college student uh, just got really excited that uh, yeah. you know it's going to yeah. be difficult to detect their plagiarism, <laughs> so they can just get a, get a paper in with the uh, <laughs> with the bots doing it. Really, and it won't it won't be plagiarism almost because it it's not go. like it's copied from anywhere. It's just the computer's writing it. And yeah, no, I mean it's. Well, that's, that's, that's one one effect for sure. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm probably like uh, an average person when it comes to this thing. Um, it's AI is in my daily life. Um, I don't always, I probably don't always, uh, I'm not always aware when mm-hmm. it, when it's AI. You know, when, when I'm typing emails and the word comes up and I'm hitting tab because that's the word I would like to use, I'm like, yeah, thank you. I don't have to type all that word out. But it's an algorithm that's been created anticipating who I am and what words I would like to say. And it's in a sense, it's reading me and my behaviors. Mm-hmm. And right. yeah, I right. think, you know, what, what you said about the level of intelligence, um, you know, is it something to be concerned about? Is something to be like as as people who want to be thoughtful in this world, uh, I was telling you, Mike, just a bit earlier that uh, we're reading a book as a staff here in South Carolina talking about a, developing a theology of the physical body. And in this book, he in the beginning, he says, you know, we need to develop a theology um, of AI. Like, what do we think about AI? How do we think through it? What framework do we have for it? Is it neutral, good, bad, all of these things? So I think you're raising some of these questions. But like I said, I'm probably just the guy who's like an average person. I don't always know when I'm interacting with AI. And it's probably something for me to be more aware of. Right, right. Yeah, I think for me, uh, there there's times where it maybe feels just a little bit unsettling with how uh, advanced it's becoming. And yet at the same time, I feel like we're, I don't know. It, it feels like a long way from being in a position where it's like an iRobot situation or some kind of, um, you know, situation where AI is, is taking over. But I do think it's gotten to a point where I just take for granted half the time when AI is actually doing something for me. I don't even think twice about it now. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And maybe I hardly even thought about it the first time the autocorrect thing happened or, you know, right. use Siri or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm probably happy to some level that I'm probably ignorant of just how advanced it is, uh, because I might be somewhat even more unsettled if, if, if I had that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, there's a lot of science fiction kind of tropes, you know, the Terminator movies and, uh, you know, to some extent, the Blade Runner movies and alien that, you know, this, these, these uh, this AI entities become sentient and they become self-aware. They become self-interested. They become then self-protective and they take over the world and kill the humans. I mean, that's, you know, there's a lot of science fiction stories that have that as sort of a through line. And, you know, the thing that, uh, the other, the other trigger for, you know, talking about this as article was, uh, you know, Google had to get rid of a, an engineer, uh, who, became convinced that their AI model was sentient and he was like uh, petitioning the company to treat it as a person and to whatever. And, uh, you know, if you see it, the, the issue is that these AI models, when they get really good, can imitate emotion and can imitate 
what an emotional human would, how they would respond. Uh, and so that is, you know, th that whole idea of, is it, you know, is it really intelligence in the same way that we have intelligence? And I would say no. I mean, the artificial part, I think, is the big, is the big driver there. That we do more, like humans, I would contend, are more than pattern matching machines that, you know, learn things about and put facts together and respond and learn what emotions should be and therefore plug them in. Like, we're more than that. You know, to be an image bearer and to have intelligence in the sense that, you know, God allows us to have it is different than just accumulating facts and, and uh, associating patterns and that in that sense i don't think a computer could ever be sentient in the it, it could appear to us uh really sentient really self-aware but that's only because it's got the entire internet of self-awareness to draw from uh and so i think that's part of the one of the things that interests me is that I don't, I don't think AI is going to take over the world, but it does raise questions about what does it mean that I'm intelligence? You know, what is it for me to be intelligent? What does that even mean? And how is it different from a computer? And I would contend it's fundamentally different well, that's, uh, for humans. Yeah, you raise that question in, in your article, and I think it's a great question, is what do we, when we say, first, when we say AI, we have to keep the first word in mind, artificial. And then what does it mean that these um, robots, machines, you know, programs uh, have intelligence? And does that mean, therefore, it's a one-to-one -one equation of if this type of intelligence means that it's sentient because this is all that humanity is, is this type of intelligence? And I think just a few, a few critical questions and thoughts around that, and all of a sudden you see a breakdown of... Actually, it's quite a, the chasm, I think, is quite a bit wider than we would want, than we initially admit when you say it's, it's sentient, it's alive, it's self-aware. Well, it may be in the future. It may be self-aware. But even being self-aware, does that mean that that's now on equation with what it means to be human? I'm reminded of the movie Her, which is a little, it's similar on these lines. Mm -hmm. that, the, the article with the Google uh, employee kind of reminded me of that. I, I'm not mm -hmm. saying he fell in love with the AI, but that's mm -hmm. that's what the, and Joaquin Phoenix did an incredible job. It's like a great movie mm -hmm. of, but it's, you know, to Chris's point, it's, it's pretty scary. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's that's kind of, that's concerning because he falls in love with this AI, but it's just through a voice, you know, phone call type thing. Um even if we were to replicate, to be able in the future to replicate a physical human body um, that had, you know, warmth on its skin and was there with you and you could have these conversations and one level deep down, you would still know, you would still know this is artificial. You right. Know? So yeah. it, it seems like there always has to be some base level of mimicry, like, if we're creating with what God has given us, like we don't create ex nihilo like God does, it seems like AI can only create in pattern match in mimicry with whatever we at some fundamental level give it. Right. Like it, it yeah. can't truly um, yeah. be right. us. Yeah, that's 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 true, uh, Chris. The ex nihilo out of out of nothing, out of nothing comes something. And 
everything we do here on the earth is you have to take substance that's already given to us and and replicate or form it or or you know uh, Tolkien would say subcreate, not a co-creator, mm-hmm. but a subcreator, because we're not actually creating; we are manipulating matter mm-hmm. into something yeah. else. So, yeah, I don't know, Mike. You got thoughts? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think in that sense, we are we are truly being creative in a way humans can be creative, mm-hmm. but God can be creative in a different way. And I would say the same thing with intelligence is the way that humans can be intelligent. If you want to call AI intelligence, it's just a different sort of intelligence and it's a, it's a level down. My concern is more with humans than with the computers that I feel like a lot of that tendency, like we can get pulled down into simply mimicking pattern matching machines through whatever group think or whatever, and that we as independent image bearers don't always think for ourselves. And in a sense, we be, you know we begin to appear to be just like a bot where there's only 20 acceptable answers, uh, whatever, and we try to fit everything in. We simplify, you know, to this thing. Um, and, I, you know, I do think that that is a... I don't... I mentioned in the article, you've probably heard of B.F. Skinner. He's a famous behaviorist, Um you know, of the, I don't know, Chris, you might be too young. I don't know if they talk about Skinner anymore, but he was like the pioneer of behaviorism and his whole, the whole assumption is we are machines. We are pattern matching. So if you change the input, you can get whatever output you want. If you train a child a certain way, you will automatically get this. You tightly control the input. You will, you can predict the output. Now he's wrong. I don't think he's, but I think that was a belief for a long time. And obviously inputs do affect output, but we're not computers. That's, that's the, that's the the difference is we're not just machines. We're more than that. You know, there's a, a transcendent spiritual element. We bear the image of God. That means something. And to be human is more than just intelligence and knowing facts and pattern matching and more than just responding to our stimulus to our environment those two things we do but there's more we bring something we bring part of we bring part of a humanity to the table that is different uh than uh you know a computer or a machine uh could ever be and i think our you know one of my concerns is the dehumanizing forces that we see in our culture will kind of drag us down into oversimplifying, pattern matching. I mean, sometimes we, it seems like there's only two answers, you know, to every question, the right one and the wrong one, you know, and the good one and the bad one. And uh, that's just not the world that we live in. And, you know, we're more than that. We're better than that. Uh, and we ought to remember it. So I don't know. That's my, you know, I don't have, I really don't think AI is going to take over the world my bigger fear is we'll begin to more and more resemble consume, you know, just pattern matching machines that think of the world in that way. Um, and that's where I sort of transition into, you know, what does it mean to be human? It's more than just intelligence. And, uh, so let me, let me just, what, Chris, what do you, what does it mean to be human? Uh, what is a human? Um, 
go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, so to try to, what, it's a question we never ask because uh, you know, obviously we think we know the answer or it's obvious, but I don't think it is obvious. So how would you answer the question? What does it mean to be human? Yeah, I think the fundamental piece that can't be missing is that a human has to bear the image of God. Um, and I think that's the fundamental piece far more than functionality, because um, if you're just going purely off functionality, there's always going to be varying diversities of functionality at cognitive or physical levels. I mean, whatever. So I I think it has to be a, you know, the fingerprints of a creator, the fingerprints of the God of the universe are on us um, in that in a unique way, different than trees, different than cheetahs, different than microorganisms. Uh, We uniquely in a way have the fingerprints of a creator um, on our souls and in our beings and in our lives um, that goes beyond functionality. And I would even say maybe even an evidence of this is that um, sometimes our lack of functionality, our lack of intelligence in um, inappropriately responding to the stimuli around us would actually be something that maybe says we're, we're pretty unique and different in that um, we're not just pattern matching or we're not just, it's not just about a functionality or a performative moment. Um, but that like, we actually have the, the, us, us being directly created by the God of the universe gives us a unique relationship with the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's good. You got anything to throw on top of that, Chad? Yeah, I think, um, I think that's a, a great answer. And I think it's, um, obviously theologically sound. I want to speak to the functionality part just a little bit. Let's just say for those people who, don't have a Christian worldview or who want to have a conversation with someone without a Christian worldview is one of the things that I think separates what it means to be human for humanity, as opposed to AI, um, you know, would be the makeup of the heart. And when you think about the human heart, you, I tend to think about longings and desires and dreams and things that drive humanity and things that we have within us, these needs to be met. I'm, I'm lonely. Like, can an AI get lonely? Like, these things separate. There, there's, a, there's also a difference in functionality uh, between like, the human heart with dreams and desires and needs and goals to be reached and things that drive us. Uh, I would say, you know, the, the book of Ecclesiastes says God has put eternity in the human heart. I don't think humans creating AI, or even with when we, the clones conversation, you know, years ago with, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what was it? Texas A&M, what they were close to cloning a sheep or did clone a sheep. Was that? They did. Yeah. Yeah. So can you put eternity inside of the thing you're creating? And I, I would argue, no, you can't, you can't place that within, um, the, whatever you're creating, because we don't get to put that in people's, you know, quote unquote hearts. And I think the functionality of the human what it, for us, the human heart is, is vastly different from something that AI would be created. Because as far as I understand it, there's no longings, no aches, no dreams. Like it would just be a verbal replication, you know, saying, right. I've got these longings, I have these. But right. we are driven 
by these things. Many of yeah. the things we do in our lives are driven from instinct and uh, the motives of the heart. And to me, that's a different conversation and what separates us uh, being human from AI. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, I just think that we take the self, that we have this thing called the self sort of for granted. Uh, and I think if, if, you, if you don't believe in God or some uh, version of God, if you don't think we're in an eternal story and that we bear the image of God, if you think that we are, whatever you think about evolution, if you think that we're merely evolved biological machines who some biological machines learn to feel, you know, they felt a certain way towards their children and, you know, what we would call love, but it's just a, a feeling that the glands produced and those people survived because the parents took care of their children better. And that's really all love is. Then perhaps if that's all it is, then perhaps a machine could get to that point. But we don't, think that's what it all all it is we think there is something that's actually love that comes from god that is a part of bearing his image that's a real thing that exists outside of the machine the machine or biological machinery of our bodies and it, it it impacts us obviously it impacts our bodies and so on but that there's more to what's here than simply the electrons and the bits of the universe organizing themselves in a certain way that come together in biological ways that make us feel like we're alive like that's one version and if, I, I feel like that's sort of the that has to be the non-god version uh and that's i don't i don't think it's true because i don't think that's what we experience in our life but if true man it's bleak and then you know a sense the machines have already won we're just you know we're machines and don't know it uh, and I, I just think that's a super bleak uh, worldview understanding. That doesn't the bleakness doesn't make it false. I believe it's false, but I think just to face the um, if that's what sentience is, then yeah, I guess we're just better, better AI computers. You know, we're better. You know, we're better machines than the ones we are able to build, and someday they might be as good as us or better. But I don't think we're just machines. Anyway, that's a lot of jabbering. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I, I'll try to say this quickly, but like there's also a subjective nature to who we are as human beings with, you know, being made in the image of God, as you guys said, allows us a subjective subjectivity to what we like. And it's not programmed. This is where Skinner's wrong. It's not programmed. So we all probably like some similar books and some similar authors, but we probably also like different ones. We probably like similar music, but we also like different ones. If I were to ask you your favorite song or band right now, it probably is different than mine right now. And the reason that is, is because I'm a human being created in God's image, which free, with free choice and things that I like. And it hasn't been programmed into me. I'm, I'm in a certain right. culture where I get exposed to it, but I, I can't just say, here's why I like this. Um, here's why I just do. Here's why I think yeah. that's beautiful. That that art is beautiful to me. And that may not be yeah. beautiful to you, but, and, and, and right. it's not programmed into us. That's a thing that comes from who we are as uniquely uh, made in God's image. Yeah. But you'll occasionally, well, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, there, there's a subjective thing. I think that's very true. And, and I also think, 
uh, dreams and longings are like huge, you know, like Lewis kind of says it's the longing in the homesickness for the land we've never been to. Um, and there's kind of this sense of we can't always define or put our finger on it, but wrapped up in the human experience are these deep pangs of longings for things. And um, no matter how hard you try, it's really hard to boil those down into any kind of um, category or this is exactly why I have this. Like often we, we're not even fully aware of why we want what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that, you know, what we're saying is, you know, we are more, we, you know, they're at one level, people who understand the world through, you know, the electrical impulses and, uh, you know, quantum particles interacting and so on. And that's all. And that's what we are to some degree. That is what we are. That is happening in our bodies. Uh, but we're more than that. And occasionally you'll run across a physicist or a philosopher who sort of honestly grapples with, yeah, that, that I think this is all we are. Therefore, we don't really have free choice. We don't really have, we have the appearance of all these things. Uh, and that's a consistent position. I think it's wrong. Uh, but it basically brings us down to the level of the computers. In other words, we're, we're not even really sentient. We just sort of think we are uh, because it's helpful for us to think this way uh and i I, so in rejection of all of that and getting at what is really humanity this other uh, other aspect of us spiritual transcendent you know connected to god's image uh i did think of you know the issue with the down uh, syndrome's children there's a story a few years back about how uh you know, country, I think with Iceland had, you know, eliminated the problem of Down syndrome almost by basically prenatal testing and aborting, you know, not so no Down's children were born. Um, it's not like they'd done anything to cure the, you know, whatever genetically happens there. Uh, yeah, and so of course, sure, there was, there sure was, seems like it's not a very, it's not a very appropriate word to use. We yes, <laughs> that would be like we cured cancer by shooting everyone exactly. in the head who has cancer. Exactly. Uh, Sorry, go, go ahead. <laughs> technically correct. Uh, but I think there's, among some, it's just a, of course we should do that, uh, you know. And in a sense, we're almost, since they're intellectually lesser, we're almost doing them a favor, and, you know, perhaps it's difficult to raise a Down syndrome child, and I'm sure it is. Uh, so obviously the parents don't always, that's not what always they want. Uh, but if humanity is more than just thinking, then I would contend and do contend that there are some Down syndrome people who, uh, in a sense, are better humans than us intelligent people. Uh, if, you know, because hum- you know, they're loving they're kind, they're gracious, they're whatever. Uh, And, you know, if that's at least an equal part of humanity, then, you know, maybe, like, is a Down syndrome person potentially happier than a non-Down syndrome children? Let me me just throw that, what do you think? How would you answer that question? Um, I, I think 
is not just a blanket, but on the whole, from what I know and see and experience that I would say yes. And I also um, remember a, a story about um, some Native American tribes that used to take Down's children and place them at the head of the tribe and honor them because they thought they were uninhibited uh, and gave a greater insight to the great spirit from which the Native Americans hmm. believed everything came. So they thought they gave a, there were a greater picture of who God was because there was no filter and fakeness filter. and, yeah. ma- you know, we have to, you mm-hmm. know, they were just them uninhibited. So I think, you know, a lot of thoughts around the Downs uh, conversation with Iceland, but um, yeah, I think the full image bears and uh, a, let me just say this, every child, every child, Healthy, unhealthy, downs, none, is an interruption, is an interruption to our routine, our life, and it is a burden. And as 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 uh, Kidner, the great Old Testament scholar said, mm-hmm. often they become a handful before they become a quiverful. Mm-hmm. These these anything that's worth having and value, it's going to be a sacrifice. But in the end, it's going to bring so much more joy, so much so yeah. much of a bigger heart. And so these children who are Downs, I, I don't have a special needs kid, but I, I'm sure it's very, very difficult. At the same time, some of these parents will tell you it's the greatest gift we've ever had, the greatest yeah. gift we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, I just think there's also multiple um, – there's so many different types of intelligences, right? And so often we distill intelligence into some kind of STEM field understanding of an ability to do calculus or an ability to, I don't know, reach some cognitive level. Like we, we often think of these in, in purely um, intellectual, very ivory tower mm-hmm. terms. But I, I think what we're seeing right now in our world is actually a great reckoning with things like emotional intelligence and all these other intelligences that we've probably neglected for far too long to say, oh, actually the human experience is is more than just progress through cognitive development. Like there has to be, there has to be more to this than that. Um, Otherwise to one of your earlier points, um, it's quite bleak. I mean, the bleakness doesn't prove it wrong, but it is quite bleak. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had some experience with Downs uh, uh, people. Uh, you know, when I was a when I was a kid, we uh, some friends of ours had a Downs, uh, and he was Downs uh, young man, and he was he was older than I was. Uh, but I would say, you know, that th- there is there's less of a filter. Um, I think the capacity for they can get angry, of course, and they can, that is, you know, there, there's a pretty full range of emotion, but the capacity for joy and delight and unself-conscious joy and delight and love is in some ways enviable. And, you know, that was my question is what does it feel like to be that person and to experience that joy and that delight that I'm not sure I allow myself always to, to experience is that more human? Do I have something to learn from that, uh, as it were? Um, is that an area of growth that in one area they're less well-developed, but in other areas they're more well-developed and in a sense more human? Um, I don't know the answer to that question, but I think it's at least a good question. And uh, if 
I'm going to be a better human, then probably there's areas of growth for me that a Downs person might be already miles ahead of me uh, because they're not overthinking it, because they're not processing it, you know, through whatever filters that I might have. And of course, I don't think that some Nobel Prize winning physicist is likely to be happier than I am. I mean, that's a ridiculous assertion. No one would say that. And so why would I think, because I'm more intelligent than a Downs person, that I would be happy? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, we don't do it amongst non-Downs people that, you know, somebody with an IQ of 150 is going to be way more happy than somebody with an IQ of 100. That seems less like, I mean, my experience. Statistically, I think it's reversed. (laughs) I think it's the opposite. So, uh so anyway, I just think that's, and I, you know, I sort of end the piece with just, you know, love one another because love comes from God. You know, if we want to ask what it means to bear the image of God, you know, one of the things is love for sure that, that, you know, God is the source of love. You know, we imitate him as we love well. Uh, and to grow in that is, uh, is, is to be a better human uh, and that, that I don't know that a computer is ever even, you know, going to have a, a chance to even be in that category. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, and, you know, we're right at the end of this. We're probably past our time. But I did sort of throw, because the whole article is really about what it means to be human. What, what, where does human dignity come from? What does it mean to bear the image of God? And then you, I get to row, and that sort of, you know, the, all of those things are imported into. If that all if that process starts by God somewhere in the womb, then we need to think about, you know, what it, the impact of ending that life and whose decision it is. Um, and that it's been traditional Christian thought that I don't know my life, and that has a thousand applications. I'm a steward of it. Um, you know, one of the applications is that's why suicide is wrong because I'm basically, I'm basically ending something that isn't mine to end that I'm responsible for, but, but, but don't own. And I think that if that is my lens of seeing row, then that's one way of saying, uh, we need to be, we need to be very slow to, you know, sanction, the ending of those prenatal lives, because at the very least, we're at least not sure of when that image bearing starts. Uh, and also that the, in my non-sanctioning must be filled with love, you know, and understanding and curiosity and compassion. And that somehow, you know, I need to marry both of those things. And, uh, cause there's certainly an unloving way to be right. Um, and, you know, probably loving and wrong is better than right and unloving, but both are problematic, I think. I don't know. So any thoughts on that? Uh, any closing thoughts on, you know, my reflection on Roe, what this all has to, how this impacts all of us in the current issue of the day? Chris, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I just think that we, we do kind of back to what you were saying, like our lives are not our own. Like we do have agency. We do have responsibility, but also, um, 
like we are we are given our lives and we're entrusted with them and so i think to unapologetically you know ask questions of of serious doubt when it comes to things like abortion and death penalty and suicide, mm-hmm. like all of these things that would snuff out a life. I, I think we have every right as Christians to question yeah. these things. And, and, and also knowing that um, we live in a very real, real and broken world in which people have personal experiences wrapped up in all of these things, whether it be suicide or abortion or death penalty or whatever it is. And, and to, to stick to our guns, so to speak, but also to say, okay, we, to get back to our full best of image bearing, like we're, we have to do all of these things in love in, in any way we move with love and mercy and grace while also speaking truth about the larger reality at hand. Um, whenever we can put ourselves in those positions, I think we'll be much more winsome than um, either the, the argument that we think is well calculated, but is not wrapped in love at all. Um, or the thing that we think is very loving, but almost um, borders on a, on a permission that doesn't take into fact the realities of our broken world. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. Because, you know, we, we don't define loving either. If love comes from God, then God gets to tell us what loving is and to say something that people want to hear that isn't true isn't isn't uh, particularly loving either um it looks like we lost chad so we're gonna we're gonna end without him but i do i do want to just echo I mean, one of the points you made there you know that first corinthians 13 that if i speak with the tongue of men and angels and you know i can do all of these things and i don't have love it means nothing mm-hmm. so if i'm right on this particular issue and i don't have love it means nothing yeah uh and so it doesn't mean uh, being wrong is okay. It just means I need to be loving and, uh, you know, seek to be right, but I need to be loving regardless. And that's what sets us apart from, you know, what makes us more like him grows, you know, growing up in his image. And it, it's what differentiates us from, you know, what is, what is not truly human. Yeah. Um, and, and I so, wonder if we had a deep fake of Chad on the podcast and that his, his uh, leaving was actually... Is the AI froze. The AI it wasn't really Chad. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Would we know? Would we really know? <laughs> um, we'll leave, that's good. We'll leave it there. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for listening to this uh, episode of On Culture. Um, check us out again wherever uh, you can find subscriptions and check out the embassy at the embassy substack.com have a great one you've been listening to on culture a podcast of the embassy newsletter have a question send it to the embassy at substack.com and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts